Welcome back to Nintendo Podcast. This is episode four, and I am your host, Evan. I am so excited to be joining you once again for another episode of our show where a noob blindly leads the blind <laughs> through Warframe. As always, this is a show by a noob for noobs, but hopefully it's full of information that you'll find helpful. Today, our topic, as promised, is all about the story and lore of Warframe, and with that, I'm going to offer a large spoiler warning. If you are sensitive to story spoilers, go on ahead and skip ahead in this podcast to the 18-minute mark. We're going to hit that right on the dot. 18-minute mark in the podcast is where the spoilers stop and where we begin to take some listener feedback. Last week, we talked about mission types, and I got some great clarification about things with missions that I didn't even know, so you're going to want to hear that at the 18-minute mark. But in the meantime, I encourage you to listen to the first few seconds of segment number one just to see why I'm giving spoilers, because I have a good reason, and I think that these spoilers will not be too offensive to you if you give them a little time and understand the spirit behind them. In fact, I'm really glad that I personally got these spoilers. But either way, totally up to you. Skip to the 18-minute mark if you don't want to hear it. And if not, knuckle down for another great episode of Nintendo Podcast. As always, I am your host, Evan. Let's jump into episode four. So section number one of this podcast is going to be all about lore, as we said, and I'd like to point out really quick that I have done this worst, uh, research rather for this segment from a couple different sources. First of all, I've been checking out the Warframe wiki, I've been reading up things on there, uh, obviously I've been learning a few things here and there as I've played the game, although the story is fairly opaque, uh, it's similar to kind of a like a Dark Souls experience uh, rather than a Last of Us experience, where you're getting uh, a lot of the story through through uh, context, through visual storytelling, and through uh, things like uh, codex entries that you're picking up. Uh, but a huge amount of the info that I'm getting as well has been through uh, through Stalord D on YouTube. So to follow him, his username is S-T-A-L-L-O-R-D-D. Two Ds at the end. Stalord. And his video called What We Know Warframe Lore. What we know Warframe lore. So that's where I've been pulling uh, a lot of this from. As I'm reading here or there, I'm bouncing back and forth between the wikis and between this video and trying to get a good idea of the context of this story because uh, the story isn't offered in one long sequential video. It's picked up over hours and hours and hours of playing. So there's a lot to go through. So uh, I want to give credit to these guys. If you're interested in what I'm talking about, uh, I would strongly advise you to go check out Stalord's video, uh, Stalord D, What We Know Warframe lore. So we're going to look at three things today. Now, as I said before, there are spoilers, and you may be wondering why I am offering spoilers in episode four of a podcast for noobs. But here's why. When I started out playing Warframe, I just assumed that it was going to be a purely mechanical game. Um, so obviously some games you jump into and, and you're just there for the fun of it. Uh, I think of something like Binding of Isaac or something like, like Dead Cells. There's obviously story and lore and everything in those games, but to me those were primarily... Uh, mechanic-driven games. The reason I came back and played them wasn't because I loved the story, it was because I was uh, I was infatuated with the mechanics. Whereas with something like, uh, uh, like The Last of Us or like Red Dead 2 recently, both of those games have, in my opinion, good gameplay mechanics, but the, the hook has been the story. So when I played Warframe, I assumed that this is a mechanical game, and almost right off the bat, 
I started skipping cutscenes. I didn't realize how cool the story and lore of Warframe was until I started prepping for this podcast episode. And now that I've learned and kind of found some of these spoilers, I'm like, man, I wish I would have been paying attention. And I know that going forward, there are tons of story things that I don't know yet, and I will pay attention to those. So yeah, there are some spoilers for some stuff that you're going to encounter in the game uh, toward the the early game. Uh, But... I think that these are worthwhile spoilers if you're like me and you think that this is not a story-based game. I think this will help you get more out of the game as you go on. So, the three things that we're going to talk about are are characters that you encounter early on and the historical context for those characters. So, the characters are the Tenno, the Operator, Ortis, and Lotus. That's what we're going to be talking about right now. The Tenno, the Operator, Ortis, and Lotus. So Tenno is is a race, and we're actually going to talk about their origin right now. And in order to understand that, we need to talk about the Orokan Empire. The closest thing I can think of to compare the Orokan Empire to would be perhaps the Roman Empire or even the Empire from Star Wars, the Galactic Empire. Uh, it's the preeminent force in the galaxy, ruling over nearly everything and everyone. Uh, they're known for their impressive technology and their insatiable hunger for scientific research and, and advancement. Uh, they, they really prized a fancy life. They valued youth and opulence and intelligence. Um, but as is the case in most civilizations like this, not everyone is treated equally. So again, going back to those examples that I gave of the Galactic Empire, that people like, uh, like Luke and his family didn't have that great of a life, but the people who were in the Empire... We're doing pretty okay uh, because they submitted to the system. Or even think something like like Hunger Games. Uh, think of uh, kind of how the people live at the center of, of that universe, but then the people who are out in the fringes, uh, they're not doing so great. And that's what this is like. If you were born into a good place in the hierarchy, your life is great. But if not, you are probably either being used as a soldier or as a slave or as a science guinea pig. So that's that's the Orokan Empire. It's very lavish, it's very large, it's extremely intelligent and advanced in technology, but it's only a good place to be if you're on the top of the heap. Well, eventually the Orokan, they continue to develop, to develop their technology and they find a way to access the Void. Now, the Void is interesting in Warframe because it is steeped in all this mythology and it's not very well understood, but it's perhaps the most important part of this whole thing. <laughs> Here's what we know. The Void is another dimension. Now, you can visit this dimension, uh, but but it's another dimension. Uh, many of our natural laws don't apply in the void, things like the laws of physics. Uh, the void has a, a strong effect on anyone or anything that enters into it and spends any amount of time in there. And the void is the source of the Tenno race's power. And we're going to get to that in just a minute. But back to the Orokin. They discover the Void, and through their discoveries, their technology rockets forward. Once they tear open that that path to the Void, they start learning and growing and discovering more and developing new technologies and, of course, conquering more planets. But most people don't realize that, again, like the Roman Empire, the Orokin Empire looks fantastic, but it's starting to die from within. They've got a lot of problems going on. They've become extremely large and they're really struggling with overpopulation. Plus, they've nearly run out of resources. Some of the Orokins' favorite applications for technology were terraforming and genetic experimentation, and all of these different scientific ventures had nearly bankrupted the galaxy of any of its life-sustaining resources. They just couldn't keep up with all the people and their lust for knowledge. 
Well, eventually the rulers of the Orokin realized that something had to be done. And so they tasked various Archimedians, which are basically scientists. They are not comedians. They are Archimedians uh, with creating a plan that would save them. So one of these plans involved colonizing the Tau system. And it required some self-replicating machines to be sent in in advance to begin the terraforming process before the Orokin people arrived. So once the mission is completed and the terraforming is done, a ship designated 10-0 is sent to Tau to begin colonization. Well, unbeknownst to those who planned the mission and going very much against protocol, the ship was filled with men and women and also children. On the way to Tau, the 10-0 got trapped in, a, in the void when a jump failed, and things went real bad. All of the adults on the ship started to lose their sanity due to this void exposure. Everything really quickly descended into anarchy, and, and all these mad humans began killing each other and destroying their ship. Well, the children seemed mostly unaffected by this madness, but they too had a reaction. They developed a sensitivity to the void and its unique characteristics, and that sensitivity developed into supernatural powers. Uh, but imagine one of the young X-Men before they go to Xavier's school. They don't really understand how to use it. They're full of all this raw power, and they have no idea how to use it or how to control it. But they're able to unite and to fend off the adults who are trying to kill them. And they end up wiping out the adults on the ship. And together, they survive until the ship reappears outside of the void. So when the Orokin discover that this ship is back, nobody is quite sure what to do. It's been gone for a long time, and now it is filled with children who are having trouble controlling their powers, and it's, it's scaring people, because these kids are dangerous. Uh... The Orokin want them to be destroyed, but a woman named Margolis shows love and compassion to these children and she spares their lives. Now, part of the reason that people are so scared of these kids is that they're dangerous. Uh, Margolis actually loses her vision uh, when she's attacked by one of these kids who doesn't know how to control their powers. But still, she loves them, she's compassionate to them. She ends up developing something called a somatic pod, which puts the children into a coma. It reduces their sensitivity to the void, it helps them control their powers, and it suppresses the terrible memories of their time on 10-0. And because of the name of the ship, they end up becoming known as 10 -0. I think that's pretty cool. That's kind of, it got me a little bit creeped out reading it, I'm not going to lie, but <laughs> it's a pretty cool origin story. So that's what the 10 are. The 10 are these children who are lost on the ship and develop these bizarre void powers. Which brings us to the operator. And to be honest, there's not too much at this point in the game to be said about the operator, other than the operator is, is the playable character that you're going to be in Warframe. So when you interact with other uh, players, you are interacting with Tenno, but more specifically, you're interacting with operators. Operators are Tenno whose void abilities allow them to control Warframes. So what about the other two characters that you're going to interact with kind of the, the most, really, in the beginning of the game? Ortis and Lotus. Well, Ortis is a Cephalon, which is an artificial intelligence. But he didn't start out that way. He was originally a mercenary named Orden Karras. So Orden was apparently a very successful merc because the Orokin chose to throw him a special ceremony as thanks. But the horrors that he had committed had filled Orden with regret, and they made him mentally unstable. So basically, all of his war crimes and his PTSD had really gotten to him, and, and he just couldn't handle it any longer. So, 
Orden planned basically a suicide terrorist plot that he was going to execute on the Orokin at this ceremony that was being presented in his honor. But the Orokin were aware of this. They were expecting him to do something insane and they were able to stop the attack, which is fortunate for them, but not so great for Ordis because uh, Orden at that point, as he is known, uh, as punishment, they pull his mind from his body and they convert him into a Cephalon. So right now, he's nothing more than a shadow of himself, and he'll tell you that, actually. Uh, well, with all of, of his memories gone, he ends up working as your servant, and he's, he's dedicated to protecting the operator and helping the operator. Well, over time, and this is a little bit spoilery, but again, I already gave you the warning, over time, Ortis begins to regain some of his old memories and identities, but he realizes that these things could be really dangerous to the operator, and so he stifles them for your protection. So that's who Ortis is. Ortis, yes, he's an artificial intelligence and he may seem kind of like um, like a droid from Star Wars, but he's a lot more than that. He lived a really intense life and he may seem kind of basic right now, but that's because his memories are, are gone. He's a really cool, engaging character and I'm hopeful that as we play the game more, we'll get to see a lot more from him. And then Lotus. Lotus is a weird one. She is that crazy blind lady with ample cleavage who pops up from time to time to talk to you. She appears on your screen and she gives you instructions during your missions. Now, you might describe her as motherly, uh, and that actually would be pretty accurate. Uh, so you remember all the, the self-replicating machines that were supposed to go to Terraform Tau? Before the 10-0 mission, these self-replicating machines went to Tau. Uh, they were going to terraform everything and get it ready for the Orokin. Well, these things became uh, known as sentience because they were given uh, very advanced technology and they, as the name implies, gained sentience over time. And actually, the sentience are the primary antagonist and the greatest enemy to the Orokin. So Lotus, before she became Lotus, uh, was actually known as Nata, and she was one of these sentients. She was given the task of infiltrating as, as a sleeper agent of infiltrating the Orokin. So she was going to bide her time, get inside with the Orokin, and then once she had gained their trust, she was to hatch a plot that would destroy all of the Orokin elites and basically overthrow their, their empire. Well, she acted on the first part of this plan, and she used the Tenno to do it. You see, the Tenno had been, had been turned into weapons, more or less. They realized that um, these children who were being kept in these somatic pods were extremely powerful and extremely effective in combat if they were used correctly. And so, uh, Nata used these Tenno as assassins to kill the Orokin elite. But something happened that, that the sentients didn't expect. As Nata was going from Tau uh, toward uh, this, this uh, place where the Orokins were assassinated, she came into contact with the Void, and it caused her to become sterile. Uh, and apparently Nata had always wanted to have children of her own, but she couldn't. So as she assimilated into the Orokin culture, she started to learn more about this mysterious person named Margolis. You'll remember her as the one who spared the Tenno and who developed those somatic pods. She became something like a mother to those, to those young Tenno children. And Nata was so inspired by this story and impacted personally because of her own infertility that she wanted to be like Margolis. So she did unleash the Tenno. She did allow them to kill the Orokin, but she didn't complete the final step of her, of her uh, plot, which was to kill and betray the, the Tenno. Instead, 
she became like a motherly figure to the Tenno. And sure enough, the sentients, uh, according to Lotus, are not happy with her and will be coming after her for revenge for not carrying out her plot. But Lotus didn't care. Natasha, she changed her name to Lotus. And in kind of a cool note, she adopted the appearance and mannerisms of Margolis. If you'll recall, I said earlier that, that Margolis lost her sight in an attack by these Tenno, these young children with these crazy void powers had blinded her. And so this is why Lotus wears that funky head mask thing because she is kind of adopting the mannerisms and appearance of her blind idol, Margolis. So as you can tell, this game is not one where, where story is put on a back burner. It may seem that way, but that's merely the style of storytelling that they've chosen. And I think they did that intentionally, knowing that this is a game that you're not going to play for 10 hours or 20 hours. This is a many hundreds of hours type of game, and they wanted to, to keep you on the hook. So I know, again, that was pretty spoilery, but if you're like me, when you hear all that stuff, you're like, man, I want to learn more about this. Again, if that's you, visit uh, Stalord D on YouTube, watch his video, What We Know About the lore, Warframe Lore, um, and learn more about this, and then pay attention. Stop ki- skipping those cutscenes because they're pretty cool. They're pretty sweet stuff. Uh, I'm excited to learn more about the lore of Warframe and learn more about the story as we play along, and hopefully you are too. So let's move right along into the next section of our podcast. We're going to take some listener feedback. And let's move right along to our listener feedback. I got a fantastic email from a guy named Chad, and you're going to have to forgive me here. I asked Chad how he would like me to credit him in this email, and he gave me his Reddit username, but I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce it because I will just butcher it so bad. So what I'm going to do, I am going to put his Reddit username right in the uh, in the credits uh, of this episode. So if you check the episode description, his name will be listed right there. If you appreciate his feedback, shoot him a message on Reddit and say, hey, well done, bro. Keep sending it uh, because he gave some really good stuff. He offered a lot of clarification on last week's episode where I talked about mission types. Now, I told you guys right now, uh, I'm not that far into the game. I'm about 40 hours in, but I've, I've been grinding a lot. I've been goofing around a lot, just leveling up some frames. Uh, I finally got into into Rhino's boots and I am loving it. I swapped over from Excalibur and an auto weapon and a semi-auto pistol and some uh, dual blades. And now I am doing uh, Rhino with a shotgun and a uh, a Furious pistol, which is an automatic pistol. So I've got the Strun shotgun, this automatic pistol and a hammer. And so, I mean, I've completely changed the game for myself and I'm loving it right now. So all that said, I'm not that far in. And when I did some some mission information, some of my stuff just wasn't accurate because how could I know? And Chad did a fantastic job of pointing these out to me. So I'm going to go ahead and read through what he shared with me in this email, and hopefully it'll be helpful to you. So Chad starts out by talking about some some rare planet resources and some resources uh, that, that you might get later on. He says, if you're looking for something that you know is from a later planet, 
Uh, you can easily ask in global chat for a taxi to a node on one of those planets. And I've mentioned this pretty briefly uh, before in the past, but it's something that's really good to bring up. If you need these, ask for people who are farming. So uh, what you want to do is you want to get into global chat and post asking for a taxi. Now, a lot of people are posting things about farming groups into recruitment chat. So you might even be able to ask and say, hey, is there a group of people that really wants to farm some stuff? Because I'd love to jump in on this. Another thing he says that's great to look for is, is someone who is playing with Necros or Hydroid, because those frames have methods of doubling your resource drop rates. So if you really want a specific resource and you don't want to spend forever grinding it, try to hook up with somebody who's playing as Necros or as Hydroid, because you're going to get much faster resource drops. So thank you for that tip, Chad. That's, that's awesome and very helpful to people who are farming. The next he points out is, is about my comments about stealth uh, affinity farming. He said, it's good to be aware that pretty much nobody progress progresses the story or the star chart using stealth. Pretty much everybody's going to run and gun through those story missions and, and in order to progress through the star chart because it takes forever to do it through stealth. So when you're wanting this, probably what you're going to want to do when you want to do some stealth farming is you're going to go to a node that you've already completed uh, because you really want to quickly level up your frames or weapons. So for example, with me right now, I know that Rhino is not uh, built to be a stealth frame, but if I really want to take my new Rhino and my new guns and level them up quickly, stealth affinity farming is a great way to do it. But if you're going through a story mission for the first time, you're probably just going to want to run and gun, have fun with it, and you're probably going to be more effective and go quicker doing it that way. Uh, Chad points out to me that there were a couple types of missions that were actually removed. One of them is deception missions. I talked about those, and those apparently are not in the game anymore. I didn't even realize that. Uh, and then raid missions were also removed. I wondered why I hadn't seen one of those yet, <laughs> so thank you for that clarification. Uh, he points out as well that defense missions don't necessarily involve, this, involve a stationary object. Most of the time early on they're going to. You're going to have to defend something that's just stationary. But later on, your defense objectives will be, for example, to defend an operator who walks around. So uh, be aware of the fact that defense doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be standing in one spot. Especially as you get later into the game, make sure you're following your objective markers so that you're not standing around killing people like an idiot when there's nothing around to defend. Invasion missions, I talked about these a little bit. Invasion is not actually a mission type. Uh, invasion, rather, is a modifier, basically. Invasion missions can be any type. You can have invasion exterminate, invasion spy, invasion sabotage, etc. Uh, you also need to complete the same node for the same faction three times in order to get the reward. You see, invasion missions are all about fending off an invading force, and the idea behind that is that it's gonna happen, you know, over time. So if you really wanna get these rewards, then you need to stick to those invasion nodes, play for a certain faction, and keep helping them out three times before you get your reward. So I mentioned that mobile defense missions require a power cell, but I was getting a little bit confused about that. I was thinking excavation, and I'm glad he pointed this out. Mobile defense does not require a power source, Excavation is the one that needs power source, so whoops. Uh, rescue missions. Most people recommend not giving rescue mission targets a gun because they tend to believe that they go more Rambo and actually end up getting themselves killed. 
I haven't personally noticed this because I am a jerk. I keep the guns all for myself, uh, but I can say that for my part, I really don't have that much trouble, at least in the early ones, of the people dying. And again, I'm not giving them guns. So anecdotally, he seems right on with this, but Chad advises, don't give them a gun. Just don't risk it. Don't risk it. (laughs) And uh, finally, his last tip is about spy missions. So some spy missions do require you to successfully complete all three vaults. You may recall that in episode three, I said, hey, you don't need to do all of these objectives. And that's totally true for some of the missions. (laughs) But later on, you're gonna get special modifiers uh, that will change those things. Some missions are gonna require you to get all three pieces or you fail. Uh, You're gonna actually find a lot of missions like this that'll pop up that'll kind of surprise you with some of those modifiers. So for example, if you guys have been playing uh, Smash Bros Ultimate since it came out, you'll know that when you get into the world of light, you're gonna encounter battles that have all these weird modifiers. Um, You're gonna have ones that, you know, change the gravity or the floor is lava or whatever. Personally, I haven't seen Warframe go quite that extreme, but for example, I had one mission where I uh, jumped into uh, an alert and it had a really cool prize and it seemed pretty easy. The level was right in my ordinary range. I was playing with Rhino, so I thought, I'm going to tank this, no problem. And I got wrecked. So I re-kitted. I, I went back to Excalibur, who is maxed, and I used all maxed out weapons with good mods on them, and I still got wrecked. Turns out it's because it was a no shields mission and I didn't even realize that. So again, uh, I'm extremely thankful to Chad for all of this input because this is awesome information, really good clarifiers on last week's episode where I made some obvious errors (laughs) or a couple times I just wasn't very clear. Um, But even still, we haven't scratched the surface of all the potential in Warframe. So keep your eyes open. If you jump into a mission and something surprises you, uh, go on ahead and, and take the time to learn about it and to, uh, to figure it out. And don't be too shocked because Warframe loves to throw surprises and loves to throw modifiers at you. Uh, keep your eyes and ears peeled. Don't be afraid to jump into new mission types. But once you start to learn them, make sure you jump in prepared. It's really going to make your life a lot easier. Well, that is pretty much it for today's episode of Nintendo Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We're creeping up on that 30-minute mark, which is my target for shutting this episode down at. But before I go, I want to remind you of a couple things that I tell you pretty much every week. First of all, you can send email to nintendopodcast at gmail.com. You can also get onto the Warframe Reddit. It's a fantastic place to be, even if you're not talking to me, and even if you're not talking to nice guys like Chad. There are just a ton of, ton of people there on the Nintendo Reddit that are willing to offer information, that post up some cool fan art, they give tips, whatever. It's a great place to have community. So get on there, be part of that uh, Warframe subreddit. Also, if you are into Dungeons and Dragons or nerd lifing, make sure that you check out Wizard Tank Podcast. Wizard Tank is a mostly weekly podcast where my friends and I get together and we bust out some Dungeons and Dragons. If that's your thing, it is DM'd currently by a guy named Adam who is an absolute beast. He is a fantastic performer and a great dungeon master. But soon, sorry to disappoint, I am actually going to be taking over the DM chair, but either way, you're going to hear my voice a lot on that podcast, and I think it'll be a lot of fun for you. So go support me and my buddy Adam uh, and all of our friends over at Wizard Tank podcast. Also, 
forgot to mention this to you, but sometimes our Wizard Tank podcast actually branches out into the video game world. So if you get on Twitch, you might see Adam or myself or one of our friends playing uh, any number of games, a lot of Overwatch, a lot of Destiny, maybe even some Warframe in the future on that Twitch page. So get on there, check us out on Twitch, Wizard Tank Games. Also check out the Wizard Tank Podcast. And, of course, keep it locked right here to Nintendo Podcast. Oh, hey, one more thing. (laughs) Last time I told you guys that in January, I was going to be taking a lot more user feedback, or listener feedback, rather. If you would like to have your voice on this show, shoot me an email at Nintendo Podcast. If you'd like to put some information on this show, shoot me an email at Nintendo Podcast. Communicate with me, and I would love to have you help uh, grow this podcast alongside me. So thanks again, and in the meantime, keep trying to come up with a good tagline for my episodes. Christmas, you filthy animal. And a Happy New Year.